0: Today
1: on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares.
0: I want you to really consider others as more important than yourselves, and I want you to honor them and respect them, particularly when they do something good. Someone comes to your small group and says, they did this thing for the Lord, or they shared the gospel, or they took someone through partners. I want you to praise them. I want you to affirm them. You get a lot of that going on in the church, it's hard to run away from a church like that. I mean, I'm gonna stick that one out. I wanna be a part of that.
1: What if your church was filled with people who welcomed newcomers overlooked minor offenses blessed one another and honored the courageous would you want to be part of a church like that well today on focal point pastor mike fabares explores the challenges we face as the body of christ and offers the example of barnabas to show us how we can be a better more christ-like church I'm Dave Drury. We're in Acts 9:26 as Pastor Mike Fabares continues a message titled "Saul: a New Family."
0: Follow along, please, if you haven't already gotten your Bibles open to Acts chapter nine verses 26 through 31. and I want you to see this turn of events as Paul is coming into Jerusalem. I'll read it from the English standard version for you when it says in verse 26, and when he, of course Saul, now Paul, coming to be Paul, had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were so thrilled he was there. They had a potluck, they had a banner up for him, welcome to our church, warm, nice, right hand of fellowship was extended to Saul. No, all were afraid of him for they did not believe that he was a disciple so he's got a church right now which got people in it that don't affirm what he knows is true and that had to be i just want you to emotionally connect with that That had to be disappointing right that's a good reminder for us as paul integrates into his new church that um the church is not perfect And I think if we're going to look at the importance of the church in a passage like this, we ought to step back and just make that simple observation and affirm it as our affirmation and say, we just need to know this. Number one, if you're taking notes, real simply, we need to expect imperfection. Right, Paul's going to join his new family here in Jerusalem, and that family is imperfect, as was reminded in the very first verse of this passage. They don't rightly understand the heart of the apostle Paul. They don't know the truth about his conversion. They've heard it. They don't believe it. There's suspicion. There's doubt. And um, I'm just saying this about the church that you go to. Uh, it will not be perfect either. Right? The reality of how things are in a church as you interface with it, and your life starts to overlap with the lives in the church, and you have the real experience of interacting in that spiritual family, you're going to realize this. It's just gonna, there's going to be things that frustrate me, and I can't change them. The people that are entrusted with my oversight are going to make decisions I don't agree with. There are going to be things that I'm going to struggle with. Verse 27. Thank God that in the church of Jerusalem, there was someone there to mitigate the misunderstanding and fix it. His name was Barnabas. Right? Take a look at the passage. Verse 27. But Barnabas. Love that contrasting conjunction. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them, listen, I can testify to this, how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. You got to believe this guy's conversion. You should not be doubting. You should not be not believing. You should be believing him. I saw it. You, you guys, you need to believe it. Now, I just know that Barnabas was probably not the, the pulpit pounder, right? He, he's, I can see him in a gracious way, appealing to these people as an advocate for the Apostle Paul. He fixes this misunderstanding. By the way, the kind of church you probably won't want to run away from is a kind of church that has Barnabases in it who are ready to fix misunderstandings. And by the way, there are Barnabases in this congregation that haven't stepped up to do some Barnabas stuff this week, this month, this year, and you need to. You need to do, number two, you need to fix misunderstandings. If you're taking notes, jot that down and fix them. You see a misunderstanding and I got two different opinions here and we need to fix them. I know we looked at this back when we met Barnabas and that phrase, son of encouragement, Right, which didn't mean his dad was encouragement. It means that, like, a chip off the old block. He's like the embodiment of encouragement. And that word, parakaleo, which is only fun to talk about Greek words when you have compound words with prepositions attached in the compound, and, and para, kaleo, we talk about parakaleo. It's used in a variety of ways in the New Testament, but it's a great picture, as I like to say, and you've heard me preach on this many times it's like a, a knee brace. It comes in alongside a para, is next to, right? called in next to. Kaleo is called in. So to be called in alongside, it, it helps. It does a lot of things. It, it supports. It fixes. It's the same word that we're going we're to see in verse 31, to comfort. Things come along like your blanket comes around you and it comforts you. A knee brace will support you. Here's this tenuous situation between the church, this new church of Paul and Paul, and he comes in and he fixes, he helps it. We meet Barnabas, do we not, in the beginning of Acts here who is seeing a need in the church and he's willing to sacrifice to give the proceeds of property. He's going to sell and liquidate his asset to come now and to bring money to meet the needs in the church. This is a guy who's helpful. You want more Barnabas in your church. Generous, sacrificial, I want to fix problems. If there's a misunderstanding, I'd like to step in and see if we can solve this. So we need to have fixers in the church. And I hope that all of us, in one way or another, we see that role, the onus, the responsibility upon us to say, we need to be fixers. You see that misunderstanding? And I'll tell you, how many times do people march out of the church and say, I'm gone, I'm done. I'm not gonna be a part of this. I'm running away. And they never, they never get a chance because maybe Barnabas is too afraid to step up and do this to mediate. They never have the experience to say, well, let's hear the other side. Let's get the whole story out. Let's hear more about this. Before I march off with my feelings hurt, and go to the next church telling them how much I didn't like the last church because those jerks there, and you have that. Can we just, maybe we can talk. Maybe we can work on this. Before I get to that, though, there's, there's two different problems on each end of that that I want to talk about. If you're taking subnotes, I guess that's kind of the, the, the B category. Let's talk about A and C. A is this, where we don't even need a Barnabas. Can we talk about this for a second? Number two, if we're going to fix misunderstandings, here's one way to fix misunderstandings, letter A, if you will, it's for you just to overlook it. Can you jot this down? Proverbs 19.11. Proverbs 19.11. It it talks about the fact that you should not, right, be quick to be angry. And that, I think, is certainly important for us to hear in our day and culture, in the Twitterverse that we live in. Hey, slow down with your anger. And then it says, it's, it's a glory to overlook an offense. It's a glory to overlook an offense. I mean, you should sit back and say, man, that's part of my sanctification. It's a, glory. it's a good thing. It's a credit. It's a like, man, that's a character aspect of my life to overlook an offense. There are some things you should just learn to suck it up and overlook it. And, and man, we can use that in a day when everyone is so hypersensitive. And, you know, the biggest problem in the world is hurting my feelings. Okay, you're in an imperfect church. You can fix some of those misunderstandings by just being the one who absorbs the problem and just says, I'm gonna be the bigger person and overlook that. The third thing, before we get back to the second thing, letter C, would be when, no, it's a deal breaker. And that's where some of you think I'm too idealistic talking about being loyal and faithful to your church, being all about being used to the fact that it's gonna be imperfect. You think, no, 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 there are reasons to leave your church. And I'm gonna say, I'm not dumb, I realize that, Uh, not that dumb at least, I'm smart enough to know there are times to leave your church. Okay, let's put this one down, Titus chapter three, Verses 10 and 11 would be a good passage to remind you of this truth. Titus chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Here are people that Paul uses the word, at least the English translation of it is, uh, to to be uh, warped. There's a word. Warped and sinful and self-condemned. There are people that do things in the church that are warped and sinful and self-condemned. And it may be that the church affirms that sinful, warped, self-condemned thing. And so we ought to do what Paul tells Titus to do on Crete in those churches. And that is two things, to warn them, first of all, right? And then have nothing to do with them. So if we're going to apply that corporately, there is a time to have nothing to do with with this church. And you march out and you run away and you need to run away because there's something that is affirmed as a willful, as the Old Testament put it, a high-handed sin where they say, no, I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care. I'm not interested in doing it. Your responsibility is to warn them and then to have nothing to do with them. And I will say this, there are some people that march out of this church or whatever church you're listening on the radio, whatever church you go to, they leave and they go around saying that church is warped and sinful and self-condemned. They're so unbiblical and that's why I had to leave. And I'm just going to ask this question. Listen, just for the sake of propriety, did you warn them on the way out? If the misunderstanding between Paul and the, and the Jerusalem Christians was such that it was such a big deal-breaking thing that now you're going to say, okay, you can't be a part of that church. Right? If Paul said, oh, I can't be a part of this church, then I just think there needs to be a clear warning. Or at least write the pastor a, a letter. I mean, let us know what it is. And, and I think that's the manning up kind of thing that you should do. I'd like to have an open Bible and say, here's where you are high-handedly, willfully being disobedient to God you have to separate from your spiritual family for that reason? I get it. I get it. But at least you'll find out if whether or not the third category is actually in the second category, and that is we just need to sit down and figure this out. And the second category is this. Jot this down. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. It is is a bigger example of the category we're in when Barnabas has to step in and say, I need to mediate this problem. It needs to be called out. Hey, church, you're doubting and being suspicious of Paul and you should not be. Paul, to the Galatian churches, is giving testimony to having to call out Peter, the apostle. And he's doing that because he says he's being hypocritical and he's leading others to be hypocritical in the fact that they are changing their, their habits when the... These people of the circumcision party, they're concerned about the ceremonial laws coming to town and they used to eat with the the non-kosher people and no problem, they they realize the ceremonial law is gone, but now when they got the right audience, they're not going to do that. And so they're they're, they're being hypocritical. And, And here's what Paul says. It was because of fear that what Peter was doing was not in step with the truth of the gospel. Okay, so here's something that may happen in your church and this is more than a misunderstanding, this is a, this is a disagreement. And I'm saying before you pack up your backpack and leave and march out and run away from your church, I mean, maybe we need the Barnabas situation where we say, I need someone to sit down and let's make sure we get the things out on the table and say, here's the problem. Because if, for instance, number three, someone says, the category three, letter C, if they say, well, I'm leaving this church because it's unbiblical, uh, sometimes I want to say, well, let's see what your unbiblical charge is. And if I'm saying, well, it's not a high-handed absolute willful disobedience to God's word matter of fact, what you're saying is helpful and maybe one of the reasons we weren't doing that or the way the the reason that small group leader wasn't doing that is because of fear or they were stumbling in the Christian life in some way maybe we can fix it with with a clear confrontation and in a way it doesn't feel like a confrontation that's what Barnabas is doing in the church is he not he's basically saying guys you're wrong about Saul he really is a disciple he really did get converted he's been preaching boldly up in Damascus going to be a part of an imperfect church even if you're not a part of this one it doesn't matter what church you're in imperfect church that's your church family though you're designed for that i'm saying fix the misunderstandings wherever you can just feel a bit like a potpourri but speaking of barnabas and what he did here you can look now in verse 28 in our passage acts 9 verse 28 and you can see look carefully at this now you can see luke echoing what paul just said only now in a new geographic context regarding Saul. Look again at verse 27. Barnabas took him and brought him before the leaders of the church, declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had, look at this phrase, preached boldly in the name of Jesus. That's a sign that he's a genuine apostle. He's willing to boldly, which if you study that word, it's an idea of this courageous, fearless, like openness. He's not afraid of whoever's there. He's fearless because, much like verse 31 says, he fears the Lord more than he fears the his opponents. It's going to get him in trouble and put a target on his back. Nevertheless, he's going to boldly preach, or he did boldly preach up in Damascus. And now Luke says, Hope. so he went in and out among the disciples at Jerusalem. It, it, the problem solved. And then he says, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Now he was doing that in Jerusalem. There's a lot of things you could have said about Paul's preaching in Damascus. And it didn't have to be with such a strong word. I don't want to overstate this, but I mean, it is kind of a, a big compliment to say he wasn't just sharing the gospel, right? I could say that about someone in my small group, for instance, hey, this guy, yeah, he, he shares his faith at work. That's one way to say it. But to say, oh, fearlessly, courageously, boldly, he's freely and openly talking about Christ. I mean, that's, that's a complimentary thing. And then Luke sits back and goes, ah, that's what Paul was doing. Number three, let's just put it that way, because let's have a church like this, please. Let's honor the courageous. Let's honor them. Number three, honor them. You and I need to be much more profuse with our praise of other people. Oh, no, 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 Pastor Mike, we do not praise people. We do, we praise the Lord only. Okay, stop with that. How about this? Proverbs 31, you know the Proverbs 31 woman list at the end to talk about beauty is vain, charm is deceitful, but a woman who fears the Lord should not be criticized. Remember that passage? A woman who fears the Lord, you probably shouldn't gossip about. A woman who fears the Lord, occasionally you should let her have, you know, I don't know, a good seat up front at the women's tea. No. A woman who fears the Lord is to be, you know the word? Same word that's used as we talk about God. Now, later on, Paul would be mistaken as a Greek god, and he would say, no, don't do that. I'm just a man. I'm here to bring, you know, the gospel to you. So you can turn from these vile things, like idolatry. So we're not talking about the deification of people. I don't want you to worship anyone in our church. I'd like you to praise some people in our church, though. I'd like you to look for people that are doing courageous, bold, ministerial things. As a matter of fact, it's hard for me to overstate how much of the Bible emphasizes this thing. And I guess if you did psychoanalysis on the kids that do actually run away, you would probably find those households aren't filled with a lot of affirmation. As a matter of fact, that's probably absent. If we have a church that fixes relational problems and misunderstandings and is really active and focused on having a kind of affirming discussion when people are caught doing good things, I, I think we would probably have a lot less defections, right? We would have people that say, That's, you know what? Yeah, there are things that torqued me and I got my feelings hurt, but this is a place where, I mean, I'm affirmed. There, there's a lot of honoring going on. When I serve the Lord, I get thanked for it. I'm going to have you in your small groups look at a passage. You'll see it on the discussion questions this week. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul starts talking about Titus, talking about how important these guys are in his life, and he talks about them, Fortunatus, Achaeus. And then he tells the, the Corinthians, you ought to be honoring people like this. You ought to be recognizing them. That's the English translation of the word. You ought, you ought to know them, which means they ought to be in your mind as, as you promoted people. You ought to think of them highly. 1 Thessalonians 5, same thing. It talks about, you ought to see those who labor in the Lord. They're laboring and, and, and serving in the church. And in that case, he's talking about those that, that are above them in, in terms of, of leadership in the church. And he says, and you ought to uh, highly esteem them in love because of their work. And I'm just telling you, that has to become more a part of the culture of a church like ours. I mean, yeah, I get it. We're hard-line Bible teaching. That's the Bible-thumping church. That's why some people don't care much for our church. I get that. But when you come here, you, you come here, even if there's relational problems, even if there's misunderstanding, even if there's hurt feelings, I hope you have a church filled, filled with Barnabases that are going to fix those problems. And they are going to step in and help and fix them. And they're going to be the kind of people that, hey, someone does something good, something bold for the Lord, works hard, labors. In the, they're going to honor them. They're going to respect them. They're going to praise them. They're going to give thanks for them. They're not going to be afraid to write a note and a letter and a text and to say how great they're doing. If you're not doing that, if you find, if I'm talking about this, you go, ah, here's a couple of reasons you might not. Number one, you think that praise only belongs to the Lord. Well, there's a certain kind of praise that is reserved for God. But you better be praising people, honoring people, respecting people, esteeming people, thanking those people. Some of you think it's flattery. And I'm saying this, let's think just at least a little bit longer than saying, I don't want to do this, so I'm going to call it flattery. Flattery, as Paul said to the Galatian churches, he said, there are people out there that flatter. They make much of you so that you'll make much of them. They have an ulterior motive. I don't want you to flatter anyone. Flattery is you saying things with an ulterior motive to get something out, to manipulate them, to try to aggrandize yourself and hoping that if you do this to them with your words, they'll do that to you, or you've got an angle. I don't want you to have an angle. I want you to really consider others as more important than yourselves, and I want you to honor them and respect them, particularly when they do something good. Someone comes to your small group and says, they did this thing for the Lord, or they shared the gospel, or they took someone through partners. I want you to praise them. I want you to affirm them. You get a lot of that going on in the church, it's hard to run away from a church like that. I mean, I'm going to stick that one out. I want to be a part of that. Because I recognize those people, recognize good things when they happen. Honor the courageous. Paul was courageous. He was doing praiseworthy work, and the church in this case, not only Barnabas, but Luke, as he looks back on it, as an associate of Paul, says, man, he was doing it. Boldly. Preaching the word of God. And that should give you some applause. Oh, I said two things. You're going to wish I would have skipped this and actually fully forgotten it. You got... Not a lot of profuse life words coming out of your mouth to praise people in the church that do good things. It may be because you are prideful. How's that? Okay. I got one taker that, on that comment. <laughs> Let me give you some scripture for this. Luke chapter 15, Jesus is going to tell a parable about a tax collector and a sinner go up to the temple to pray. But he starts it this way. I'm telling this parable for these people. They trust in themselves that they are righteous and they treat others with contempt. In other words, they're focused on aggrandizing themselves. They're really concerned what everyone thinks of them. And therefore, as a necessary component of that, guess what they do? They're always putting other people down. And in the parable, that's what happens. The Pharisee says, I'm glad I'm not like that guy over there. And you know your Bibles. What happens at the end of that parable? Well, it's the guy who can't even look up to pray, who goes home justified. He's in sync and in step with God at the end of the time at church. And the other guy, Mm. not so much. Why? Because he's got the wrong view of himself. Pride, as we've talked about in this series already, is going to derail so many things in your Christian life. And here's one expression of righteousness that's going to be damned up. It's going to be plugged up if you have it. And that is, you're going to look at your life and say, I never praise anyone. I I don't like to do it. I don't feel right about it. I don't want to blow their head up. I don't want, listen, it's not your job to keep people in your small group humble. That's not your job. It's just not. So give it up. Not your job. God's really good at that. Your job is to praise praiseworthy things. Your job is to honor honorable things. Your job is to say when someone boldly proclaims the gospel, they boldly proclaim the gospel. This is a complimentary thing. And some of us aren't as complimentary as we should be. Matter of fact, if we added up the compliments that come out of your mouth that are not manipulation, not flattery, but sincere statements of honor and respect and esteem and thanksgiving and praise to other people, I just wonder what those thermometers would look like over your head. And then I'd say, I'll bet there's a correlation for some of you, that even your excuse about flattery is really a cover for the fact that I just really want people to see me as the good guy.
1: You're listening to Pastor Mike Fabares here on Focal Point and part two of a message called Saul, A New Family. The complete uncut version of this message and this series is available on the Focal Point app and online at focalpointradio.org. Well, as you've likely noticed, Pastor Mike never sugarcoats the Christian life. And he doesn't avoid the uncomfortable parts of the Bible that we may want to skip over. But he does faithfully deliver God's unfiltered, uncompromised word every day. And that's the straightforward truth we need to grow as disciples of Christ. If you believe in this mission, then please consider sending a financial gift to keep this program on the air in your community and across the country. We've made it quick and easy to give when you get in touch with us by calling 888 320 or contact us online at focalpointradio.org. And to thank you for your support this month, we'll send you a copy of A.W. Tozer's excellent book titled Men Who Met God, 12 Life-Changing Encounters. In it, Tozer explores the transforming impact of an encounter with God and how it shaped the lives of several biblical figures. Request your copy of Men Who Met God when you make a generous one-time donation or give monthly by becoming a Focal Point partner. Again, you can reach us by calling 888 320 or contact us online at focalpointradio.org. Or if you prefer, write to us at Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. And if you're not ready to give just yet, we'd still love to hear from you and we'll gladly send you a helpful pamphlet about the 12 Disciples just for getting in touch. Request your copy when you call 888-320-5885 or contact us online at focalpointradio.org. In our materialistic world, contentment can be an elusive goal. Sadly, many people will never find it. But it doesn't have to be that way. I'm your host, Dave Drouy, inviting you back tomorrow when Pastor Mike Fabares explains how to be content no matter what cards you've been dealt. Discover the biblical secret to finding joy when you join us for Ask Pastor Mike Friday on Focal Point. Pastor Mike here.
0: Ever wish you could corner your pastor and challenge him with your toughest questions about the Bible, about faith? Well, now you can. Send me your questions. Head on over to focalpointradio.org and click on Ask Pastor Mike. Or send me a note on facebook.com slash Pastor Mike or twitter.com slash Pastor Mike. I can't wait to hear from you.
1: Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.